Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Man, it's been way too long. Three-time New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and host of Professional Troublemakers is the podcast. Let me welcome the one and only Lovey Ajayi Jones. Yeah, I got to do that. <laughs> Jones, hi. Hi, Karen. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, so you have a new book. We're going to get into all of the, the books. You got one for teens, one for adults. I'm judging you with the first one, the first bestseller. But before we do, there's a lot going on, uh, not just politically. Uh, and I wanted to get, I want to have this conversation with somebody that's out there in them streets talking to people about the things that matter. So I'm going to play this clip from Deion Sanders, coach of, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what, how we're going to say, Deion Sanders, coach of the Jackson State football team, but of course, Hall of Famer. Let's play it, Smith. You don't have the clip. I just gave it to you, cotton picker. Okay. Uh, all right. While he's doing that, t- talk to me while I find the clip that I gave to Smith that he somehow can't find. And now it's even Yes. Okay. Come on. Go ahead. You, lovey, what are you up to? Oh, <laughs> uh, what am I up clip. to? Yeah. You found, the, you found the clip? No, I'm looking for it now because I got, cause oh, I got erased from I'm a, This is real time, live show. So I put it <laughs> in the chat thing over here and then somehow uh, Smith didn't get it and it's erased. Uh, but let me find Deion Sanders. Now I got to look for it on this damn stupid platform. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Lovey. What are you up to? I mean, I've been writing books, making good trouble. Um, you know, trying to live a, a decent life. I've been got yeah, married, I, got married. I got since the last time I've been here. Absolutely. Got married, uh, wrote my first kid's book. Little troublemaker makes a mess, which comes out in May. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So now I have something for everybody, every age. I have, you know, my, my books, I'm judging you and professional troublemaker for the adults. I got rising troublemaker for the teenagers and now little troublemaker makes a mess for the babies. Uh, before we get into this Deion Sanders clip, what is a troublemaker? Define that. Yes. I think a troublemaker is a disruptor. People who are committed to elevating the rooms that they are in, you know, they're the ones who are saying the tough things, uh, that are necessary, but they are thoughtful. That's the difference is uh, troublemakers are not just uh, people trying to create chaos. They're thoughtful. They want to be a part of better change and design a better world. And they'll say and do what needs to be done to, to get there. Is this a riff on uh, John Lewis's, you know, good trouble? Like, you know, how he absolutely says, good trouble. Absolutely. The late great John Lewis challenged us to be ready to make necessary good trouble. And I think he spent his life making the best type of trouble, you know, the type that leaves a legacy of um, disruption in the best way, like in a world that's deeply unjust, which is the one that we live in. If you are a troublemaker, you are somebody who is trying to go against the status quo for the betterment of everybody. The betterment of everybody. I want to I want to sit in that space as we navigate. Um, I had a wonderful discussion today with Bokeem Woodbine. And mm. he said, you know, being in Hollywood is very lonely, you know, um, and it's something that you, you don't realize until you're in it. And for him, he said it's lonely because you can't hang out with everybody. You realize really yeah. early in this journey that you can't be with everybody. So it makes your world really small if you're smart, he said, you know, and he did a movie with Tupac and like, you know, so he's like, you know, there's so many people that end up around other people because of the loneliness and then they end up in these circles where it's not good for them. So I think about Mm -hmm. today, you know, um, 
the death of one of the Migos take off and uh, and shame on the the people. And I don't know. I've, I've, I have two thoughts on showing uh, snuff. I call them snuff films. You know, like we've had enough of them, mm. like George Floyd and Eric Garner, like as black people, the trauma of watching somebody die on film. But what do we do with this? Um, so I'm going to play Deion Sanders because he had a message for his team. You know, they're in Houston playing Coach Prime. And I'm going to play this, and then I want to have a conversation, Lovey. Play it, Smith. Okay. I'm just sick and tired of the consistency of people that are influential to you are leaving us consistently. That's our rappers. Takeoff was right, murdered in a, in a dice game in Houston, where we're going. So that eliminates all y'all leaving that hotel, because it ain't happening until I give you further notice. So... Um, whatever her name is, whoever she is, parents, everybody, they're going to come to the hotel to visit you because y'all ain't leaving. Sooner or later, we got to start changing our addresses, guys. That's an analogy to saying, I know we this, but we ain't that. We got to leave that behind that we once did. And that's what you guys are. Now you guys are Jackson State royalty. You ain't no man. You're not whoever you were a year ago. You're not even who you're going to be a year from now, which is a blessing. But you can't continuously do the things you've always done and expect to get the results. It's going to have to be a change. All of us have gone through drastic changes. Have we coaches? Have we coaches? All of us are still evolving into what God has called us to be, and that's change. You cannot kick it with the same dudes you kicked it with. You cannot kick it with the multitude of women that you kick it with. You cannot associate in the same realms that you associate with. You're going to have to change if you expect change. You can't do it. It's going to come to a time. They can talk about you. They can mock you. They can ridicule you. They can cuss you out. They can clown you, whatever they want. But you're going to have to separate sooner or later. You're going to have to disconnect. Sooner or later, you're going to have to. So get that in your spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm sad because it just seems like it's always us. But we want to say we matter. We want to say we keep it in 100. But it's always us. Now we lose another soldier to some bull junk. That when we look back at it, the gentleman going to say, that. now his whole life changes. Because now he's incarcerated or murdered uh, in, in, in a consequence to what transpired. Because you know how the game is played. And I don't want y'all playing that foolish game. Because y'all are valuable. To your families, friends, loved ones, and you're valuable to us. All right? Let's think about that. Let's pray for the families. Ain't got no ain't no time. Ain't got no time to dig the food. Let's go get it. Yeah. yeah. Valuable. I keep sticking on that word, lovey. You know, we're yeah. valuable. We're valuable. And what does value look like? What do you value? Um, and the things that you value... You should be valuable enough to not put yourself in these situations. This this young man, uh, birth name is Krish, Krishnik Kari Ball, known as Takeoff. Thirty one years old. Thirty one years he was old. Twenty eight. He was twenty eight. He was twenty eight. Twenty eight. Born nineteen ninety four. You are correct. Twenty eight. You are correct. The youngest member I of think, the Migos. Thank you. I think. I think what's really devastating about it is the fact that. You know, he actually wasn't even participating in the game that got him killed. He was just there. And, you know, the thing about Black people in the U.S. is 
we have a right to make decisions like go out at night. You know what I'm saying? We have a right to be bowling and playing a game at night. It shouldn't ever cost us our lives. Like I feel for his loved ones who have to be wrangling with the idea that he walked out the door and just went and kicked it with his boys and didn't come back from some random reason that was not, that didn't, you can't even make it logical. You can't make it logical. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I just, my heart just goes out to take off family and his friends and all the people who got to see it. And the fact that it's been on our timeline, we matter, black people matter. Our lives are valuable. We, I think we deserve to live in a world where we can't even make mistakes, but still not pay for it with our lives. Mm -hmm. So that's devastating is that like, I feel like though we, we're, not, we're not saying a thing that need to be that needs to be said. All right, so he was at the eight ten billiards and bowling alley in downtown Houston. Uh, he was there with Quavo, uh, who is thirty one. I said I got it confused. Um, he is uh, Mr. Ball is twenty eight. Was twenty eight. Uh, got shot. Got shot. Right. And I think about I think about Nipsey Hussle, you know, in the community, and it's always you know somebody. I don't know the motivation, right? I don't know the motivation, but we can't go to those places. And you say we should be able to, and you're absolutely right. When you're successful, because there are people who aren't living a fulfilled life. I mean, we live in a world right now where folk are so threatened by other people's success that they rather drag you to hell with them than to see yeah. you succeed. And I call it, you know, kill my neighbor's cow. It's that, that, that mentality where I don't have a cow, you have a cow, I'm going to kill your cow so that neither one mm -hmm. of us have a cow. We don't have in our, in our culture, and it's our culture, lovey, this is our culture right now, where we are training young people to your success is my success. I can celebrate your your bestsellers and all of the one the money all of it, your your happiness and your relationship because I'm fulfilled and happy in myself and that should be the goal and even if I wasn't, I'm not going to deny anybody joy because I'm not happy. I'm going to have to find my joy and, and happiness. I think there's something broken in us as a people that this happens far too often. This is not the first, second, or third time, you know, we we will be here having this discussion. Beyond the police, there's a conversation that we should have, I think. And I and I feel what one you're of, saying, but mm. one of the things that Deion Sanders just said is about how, you know, as you get more successful, you can't hang out with the same people. It's one of those blueprints of success that you really aren't taught. Is the idea that Everybody is not going to go with you, and that's okay. It's the idea that we do have to move different. But think about the fact that Takeoff was 28. You know, at 28, many of us didn't know what we were doing, you know, and many of our decisions felt low, low stakes, you know. So it's hard to even be like, this man was going to a bowling alley. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. and I don't know what it is, but I think for me, it's just, when I heard the news, I was just like, over dice. Like, that's the part that's really hard to grasp is that it's how, why? You know, wh why does it make sense? How did it happen? And I don't know. It's just, it's mind boggling. 866-801-8255. Lovey is here. Lovey Ajaye. Um, you can follow her on Twitter, I think. Lovey, are you still staying on Twitter? <laughs> Everybody... 
people leaving Twitter, um, you know, L-U-V-V-I-E on Twitter, Tony yes. Braxton, Shonda yeah. Rhimes, a lot of other folk, and they're leaving because of the N-word. Uh, all of a sudden, Elon Musk takes over, and the N-word is prevalent. <laughs> it's like it's in people's timelines. Uh, Shonda Rhimes said, I'm shocked and appalled that some of the quote-unquote free speech, actually, this Tony Braxton I've seen on this platform, hate speech under the veil of free speech is unacceptable, therefore I'm choosing to stay off Twitter as it no, no longer is a safe place for myself, my sons, and other people of color. Stephen King also said he's decided, you know, uh, to express, uh, you know, this, this $20 blue check fee. He, he was like, F that, they should pay me. If that gets instituted, I'm gone like Enron. Uh, that's what Stephen King, yeah, they could keep the blue check. How how are you feeling about Elon Musk's uh, purchase of Twitter? Elon Musk buying Twitter is complete, utter trash. It is a dude bro with too much money who wants to play. And here's the thing is, I don't know when I'll leave Twitter. I've been on Twitter since September 2008. Um we love a good train wreck, so I'm not necessarily going to say I'm going to leave right now. But <laughs> I'm also, I'm also very clear. I'm not paying for no blue check mark. I got verified years and years ago, and for it to be pay to play now actually makes it worth very little, because there's going to be all sorts of horrific characters who are going to pay for it, and it's going to all take my blue check mark. But I think I'm watching the platform to see what happens, um, and I do think it's going to devolve into hell with Elon at the at the helm of it and I'm just watching it. But here's the thing that I'm happy about is that like, and I've always talked about how it's important for us not to build our livelihoods and our businesses through these walled gardens that promise us nothing. We are guests there and they can act a fool at any given point, which we're at that point where they're acting a complete fool. I respect anybody's decision to leave, to stay, to watch, but like as a culture connoisseur, I wanna watch what happens. Mm. I always said um, because Black Twitter makes Twitter because Twitter is a plat it's a it's a tech Absolutely. platform it's a black it's a tech platform it's a tech platform. In order for it to be successful, it required something, and and we brought it like we bring the TikTok. All they do is steal our dances and our things, and this is you know we bring that's a Chinese platform that wasn't dope until we got there. We make everything better, including chitlins, right? And I always said, Black Twitter doesn't have a single market share in this thing. They don't have a, a stock. They ain't getting no payouts. They're not getting anything. Let's stop feeding other people's uh, futures. We, we They mm. brought us here to do that in this country, right? We built nations off of the backs of our labor, and we continue to do that today. And I'm tired of it, um, lovey. So I created my own platform. <sighs> uh for us but it is it's exhausting right um agency notwithstanding yeah. we we continuously give people <laughs> here you go and get nothing yeah and i and i'm you know we should never leave our best words or ideas in that platform there are so many people who have written multiple books if you put all their tweets together but have never published one you know we should not leave or give our best work to these platforms that do not pay us anything so i you i use twitter as almost like a as a testing ground and i take whatever i say i don't waste my words in that platform and i really want us all to think about the ways in which twitter has taken some of our best ideas best genius best brilliance like and how can we use it to get compensated outside of it. So I think in this moment, it's all up to all of us to figure out how 
yeah, we kind of need to divest our ideas. Even though I'm going to be on Twitter, I don't plan on giving Twitter hours of my day. I don't plan on sitting in there and making sure I am entertaining or being fun. I'm not live tweeting in there like I used to. I use Twitter as a means to an end, and I'm very clear that at any given point, my account can be deleted. Yes. Well, I got hacked this year, so I I learned mm-hmm. firsthand. Somebody took over my thing, changed my picture. I mean, did, I mean, I was like, what? And I felt helpless, Ooh. and it took them, and I had to go, I had to go do some things to get it back. It was like they didn't even respond. I'm like, so you just letting this person just do whatever, even though you know, like immediately shut it down at least investigate nope there was no so i was like already this is before elon musk i was like okay what you not gonna do and i I, at that point don't care anymore so i'm in that same camp as you and i only use it to reach out to people that i want to invite on the show now but it's yeah it is to me um from myspace gone the vine gone it's temporary there'll be another there'll be another and another you know like we we get wedded to these things like it's ah facebook it's no, it's some person, actually it's a petulant child's platform to troll girls on campus that we, again, turned into something more than what it ever could be. Let's stop doing that. Let's stop making chitlins for everybody that tastes good. Let's stop it. All right. Twitter or Twitter. Professional troublemaker. Love you, Ajayi. Jones is a professional troublemaker. She uh, has a manual. She has a manual. She has a manual for teens. She's got a children's book coming out uh, as well for the babies. Uh, tell me about this troublemaker, a fear fighter manual for teens. What What is the message here for the for the teenagers? Yeah. When I wrote my first, uh, my second book, Professional Troublemaker for Adults, a lot of the parents who were reading it were like, yo, I wish I had this message when I was 20, when I was 15. And they shared it with their teenagers. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to write one just for them. Because, you know what I'm saying, this world constantly tells them they're not enough. This world is telling them that they're too different. This world is not preparing them for what adulthood actually means. Because many of us have been shocked by what adulthood actually means. So I went to write a book that I needed at... 16 at 17 that would have assured me that my path was right that would have given me the confidence to be too much and be different that would have told me to save my money okay like don't get that card at college and get in debt you know what i'm saying so I, that's the card that i that's a book that i wrote in rising troublemaker a fear fighter manual for teens and it's gotten me so much love and a lot of uh teenagers are getting back to me and actually i actually just talked to one of them who says now my book is his favorite book ever wow uh-huh. That That is, oh, that's everything. How much of who you are is tied to, I was just talking with Pam Keith, and she said, you know, going to South Africa, she realized the greatest power that the Afrikaners had was the, their whiteness, right? And because mm-hmm. South African black people did not see themselves as one thing, but different tribes. And it's the thing that, you know, by inventing this thing called whiteness, they've created a superpower called blackness, in America that I think is unbeatable once we step into the knowledge of that power. As a Nigerian-born woman, do you see yourself as Black first or Nigerian first? And how much of that Nigerian pride, and I don't know whether you're Igbo or Yoruba, you know, you'll tell us, because that's important. That's important because it's all of those things. What's the driving factor? Is it your Blackness or is it your Nigerian I think both are my driving factor. And I consider myself black first because I think it's really important 
to have that pride in the fact that we're all under this large umbrella in the diaspora that deeply unites us to the point where you go to Ghana, you see somebody who looks like your auntie. You go to Jamaica, you see somebody who looks like your best friend. You go to the US and you're like, yo, that's my cousin right there. And I think it's something that we cannot lose sight of because when we harness that power of blackness together across the globe, across the diaspora, we really are unstoppable. And I think that's why people try so hard to stop us. You know, it, we are better um, fractured than united because we will move mountains. And of course, I'm Nigerian, born and raised, Yoruba is specifically my tribe. So there's a lot of ways that I identify myself. Each of those things absolutely matters in how I carry myself. My Nigerianness, you know, being born there and spending my first nine years there really solidified who I was and who I am and has kept me grounded. Um, there's so much about my Nigerianness that dictates how I even write from the way I even think about words and metaphors because of how Yoruba language is very metaphorical and po poetic, it actually does infuse into my writing. And all of that has built this person who I am today. And I think about my, my Nigerian grandmother who was actually the professional troublemaker I watched growing up because you know who you can't tell nothing to? An older black woman, you know, who's <laughs> been through hell and back and is like, yo, I won. So that's who I looked at and how she approached life and her swagger and her, shoot, I even have her smile. And I think about some of her words, I wear her ring. So all those different things about me are all intertwined in the woman that I am today and how I approach life. Mm. And you married a man from Baltimore, from Baltimore. <laughs> I married a, a man from Maryland. Merlin. Merlin. Right. Merlin. I'm sorry. Baltimore's his own thing. You are absolutely right. Merlin. Yes. Correct. Correct. Yes. From Merlin. You know Merlin. what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Yeah, no, I you know, I'm a I am who I am in spite of and because of all the different influences in my life. And um I'm constantly just surrounded by by amazing people who show me that we are valuable. You know, my life is so rich and a lot of that is from all the different forms of blackness that i carry with me and it's a point of pride mm. let me ask you uh i've been i think i'm picking up the baton uh calvin butts made transition last week and mm -hmm. um i i talked I shared a little bit uh i was a critic of he and c dolores tucker i thought they were doing too much and now as I sit here, I'm like, they weren't doing enough, you know, <laughs> and as they waged a campaign against the horrible lyrics in our music, which I think has in many ways um, penetrated the soul. Cause that beat, that drum, that African drum and the guitar from Africa and all of that with those lyrics, <sighs> you want to talk about moving mountains and what we're putting into the music today, I think is violence and, and over-sexualized everything. But, also the the destructive language against each other you know and it's not the fun times of the 80s and 90s with the rap battles and Roxanne Shantae and all LL Cool J and Cannabis and all you know it's it's not the fun times or Jay-Z and Nas you know it's it's something more destructive and I think some of that played out at that um, bowling alley in Houston because mm. it's in the music right um and I want to know like for me uh we can eliminate the n-word it's not part of our culture, no more so than that Confederate flag is, is Southern heritage. I feel like it's a word that was used to destroy us. We're not reclaiming it no more so than we're making chitlins, not entrails. It's going to be entrails no matter how much hot sauce and vinegar and seasonings you put. It's still entrails. 
What are your thoughts on that mm-hmm. as a hip hop uh, person? <laughs> I think it's complicated. I think it's complex. You know, a lot of English language are words that we reclaimed from words that meant something terrible before. You know, I think about just, it's hard to tell people to remove that word. And I don't necessarily think the word can be blamed for all these different moments of tragedy. No, I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming the word. Hold on. I just, you know, let me be clear. I believe that words are powerful, right? As a word person. Uh, I believe that what a word was intended for, especially that word, I don't think there's any word in our lexicon as destructive as that N word in terms of its origin, right? As, as, in terms of its, as its pointed destruction of an entire group of people. Mm. Reclaiming is not like the F word, you know, for gay people. No, it's, 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 it's deeply rooted. That came with a lash, came with some rape. It came with some dehumanization, right? It came with mm. all of these things that I think we carry forward and that we call each other that usually it's not in a good way. Even when we do it in a, you know, in a, as a brother or as a, you know, as a lighthearted thing, it's, it's like you utter something, it's conjuring, it's spellbinding, mm. right? Words can do that. It has the power to create Life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's what scripture says, right? So why aren't we more careful about what comes out of our mouth? Man, I mean, I will say this though. I miss 90s R&B. I will say that. <laughs> I still I still mostly listen to 90s R&B. I do. I ain't gonna lie. Because for me, I do enjoy music that takes me to a place of nostalgia. So I, I'm probably the wrong one to ask because I actually don't even listen to a lot of current music. I listen to still old school stuff. But like, that's, that says so, something though. I was driving around and Stevie came on, Stevie Wonder. And it wasn't even songs in the key of life. It wasn't from that album. It was something else. And I was like, he has forever put you know, song to life things. I think it was, you know, something about, you know, him being in love with some woman and, you know, do you do, oh, and if you really love me, that song, won't, and that might be from songs mm-hmm. of the kid, like, won't you tell me? And I'm like, that's because I won't, ha-. I was like, this song is so fun and there's not a single N word in it. <laughs> and it, he didn't need to, because I feel like the, the challenge, and I'm putting a challenge out to awful, you really are about that writing life? You can come up with another way to say something, Lovey, because you do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, here's the other part, too. Like, honestly, I have to say, I feel really bad for Gen Z. I really do. I was just having this conversation with one of my friends because I talk about the world that we left for them, that we are living right now, is one that has allowed them to be so rageful, that there's so much that they have to deal with any given day, that their rage is responding to the world that we've built for them. I, and I'm, that's kind of why I can't say, you know, their music should be more positive. Do they even have much positive to even talk about? Like, what have we created for them that has allowed them to not find anything but rage as their subject matter? And I think it's time for us. I'm a old, I'm considered a geriatric millennial. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I am very, I'm 37. So I'm also in a reflective space in that, like, We've done Gen Z a disservice that has allowed them to live in this world that is not serving them, that is not safe for them, that feels like a cage, that feels like they can't go to a bowling alley. You know, I, I want uh, I want those of us who are grownups for real. I think I, I think grownups as thirty plus, by the way. <laughs> but yes. I think we should start interrogating what is the world that we are living that we have built. 
music, TV, all of those different things. What is our legacy if this is what they're reacting to? I couldn't agree more. You, uh, you write, uh, you are a child of the universe. This is from your favorite, uh, one of your favorite uh, poems. No less than the trees and the stars, you have a right to be here. You have a right to yep. be here. Yep. We don't say it's that enough. Yeah. Yes. Black men deserve to grow old. We all have a right to be here. Our lives matter. I think these are things that we cannot say enough. You know, no matter if we wonder whether it's going to make a difference or not, we cannot say it enough. Black men deserve to grow old. Our lives matter. You deserve to be here. You, your, your voice matters. Your power matters. All of that is something that I think we need to say more, hear more, and feel more. Mm. Give me the true meaning of the word auric. Am I saying that correctly? Auriki. Oriki. Yes. Break that down. I think an Oriki. Yes. Oriki is um, it's a Yoruba word. Ori in Yoruba means your head to keys to greet. So it's a literal greeting of your destiny. And uh, I consider it a hype mantra. And I think about how we say it at funerals or at birthdays, at moments of celebration. You know, I last heard my grandmother's at her funeral. And it brought me to tears because it really is a to stand an ovation for your spirit. And I think about how across the diaspora we have these different things that that represent an oriki, like how even in hip hop, when they're gassing themselves up, that's a form of oriki. How Jay-Z calls himself Ho, you know, short for Jehovah. In Christianity, when we say Lord of Lord, King of Kings, that's an Oriki, you know, Alpha and Omega. It's just ways to hype your soul up. And I think especially right now, all of us need those ways to remind us to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. And all this is in Rising Troublemaker, a fear fighter manual for teens. Love you, Ajayi. Jones is her, her latest book. She's got a new one coming out in May for the babies. Little Troublemaker makes a mess. I'm looking forward to that this summer. And I want you to come back when that comes out. For you being on this journey, starting as a blogger, like I love to w- watch your story arc because I was like, oh, she does a blog, you know, when I didn't respect blogs because, you know, I come from daily news and journalists and these aren't real journalists, but, you know, I've grown to respect the, the medium. Where are you now in your journey? Mm. Are you an author? What, what, are you, what are you? I'm an author and a speaker. You know, now I get to, instead of just my little blog from back in the day, now I get to make impact with my best-selling books. Uh, when I keynote, uh, I have a TED Talk that has 8.5 million views. Come on. Being able to see how far my words have been able to reach has been one of the most humbling and, and, and gassing up experiences of my life because I always say, like, I am a testament of my hard work, uh, but a lot of God's grace because I'm not the only person who's talented. I'm not the only person who works hard, but clearly there's some sort of higher power that's pushing my back and pushing me forward and putting me in the rooms that I found myself in. So it's been a grand journey so far. And you're supposed to be here. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Correct. Correct. It feels purposeful. It feels true. And uh, all I just keep doing is uh, obeying what I'm supposed to be doing. That is the word, obedience. It's the hardest thing, especially those of us who were rebellious as children. But it is the thing that will save your life. <laughs> if you are obedient to the to the most high, to the correct spirit, to the thing that is leading you on your journey, to just put your hands up and let it go, 
and not try to control it and be obedient to it. Oh my goodness. The dominoes fall in line. That's exactly it. You got to be the domino for your own life. You know, I've just basically done the thing that felt true. I was blogging 20 years ago when it was considered playing on the internet and nobody was making money on it. So I just kept on doing it without any type of promise and each thing led to each thing. And here I am today. Well, you are here more than here. I appreciate you coming through. I look forward to seeing you in May when uh, the little troublemaker makes a mess comes out. Lovey, thank you for yes. being here today. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Karen. All right. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.